welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. We're on episode 204, When Loyalty Appears in Unexpected Places. So some of you who have been listening to this podcast for a while know that I am a hospice bereavement coordinator and chaplain. And I've been doing hospice bereavement in some form or fashion for almost 20 years, which that absolutely blows my mind, but it's the truth. And one of the many, many lessons that I have learned over the years is that my bereaved individuals oftentimes find support in places they would not have anticipated, including myself. And then the flip side of that, so many times they do not find the support that they anticipated in the places where they thought it would be. So let me give you some for instances. So you have had the death of someone close to you. Let me just use an example, which is the one that's so common in my mind, is you have been married for 40-something years and your husband dies. Before his death, you had many couple friends and you all hung out together, you raised your children together, and you anticipated that when your husband died, number one, you never anticipated being in that place, But number two, when it did happen, you anticipated that those friends would show a degree of loyalty that was absolutely through the roof and that they would walk alongside you on that journey. And it didn't happen. It might be that one or two of them were supportive. It may have been that none of them were the ones who came to your door and supported you. And you were blindsided by that. And there are a lot of factors that can lead to that happening. And I'm not going to go into those on today's podcast, but I have had so many people, especially widows, who have been dumbfounded six months after their husband dies, that they have not heard from his best friend. They've not heard from their couple friends. Like, they just look at me in astonishment. One lady in particular is a year or so ago, and she she tried as best she could to figure out what happened. <laughs> We've been in each other's lives for 30 or 40 years, where did these people go? And it doesn't happen just in grief. It happens in other areas of life where you believe that you have somebody who's going to stay by your side, that they are always going to be in your corner. And then as we see in last, well, saw in last week's podcast, they have a traitorous heart and they make decisions that change your life and their life forever. We talked last week about Judas. 
we talked about Peter a little bit, and we talked in the story of David that we've been rolling through now for the last year or so, I guess, we talked about Ahithophel and how he's going to play a crucial role as we go forward as David, king of Israel, solemnly walks out of Jerusalem with his head low, believing that his son Absalom, who had been one of those traitorous hearts, no doubt about it, that Absalom has won the hearts of all of Israel, and all David can do is turn tail and run. And that wasn't correct, and we talked about that on our first week in this section, the fact that this David that had been the one who had seen the huge giant, the Philistine, and that's very important for today's conversation, the Philistine from Gath had seen him as a surmountable enemy whereas the regular soldiers of the Israelites, including King Saul at the time, saw him as someone that would never be defeated. David went from that little shepherd boy who saw Goliath through spiritual glasses to this king who does not, is not, looking through those spiritual glasses anymore and is looking at just the surface level of what he could do. And he leaves Jerusalem to his son. And we talked last week about traitors, those that we think that are close to us. We think that we can trust. We think that we're going to receive loyalty from them. And they are disloyal. And not everyone who does not show loyalty is someone who is truly disloyal. As I mentioned with the grief example earlier, some of them were not intentionally disloyal and may have honestly been praying for the lady, but they did not have a clue how to support her, so therefore they stayed away. As we see today, we're going to take another snippet. We've, we've been snipping, snipping, snipping out of 2 Samuel 15. Uh, honestly, even I can't believe how many lessons we've gotten from this text, and we're not finished. But when I was reading it, this again earlier this week, I was struck by the concept of when loyalty appears in unexpected places. So I ask you as our weekly assignment feature challenge, when have you experienced loyalty from someone you didn't expect? And if we think hard enough, you're going to have some of those. And when I was doing grief counseling on a daily basis, oftentimes that was one of the questions that I would ask because I would have people who were talking about how they expected so-and-so and -and so-and-so and and -and so-and-so to be there for them. And they had not been. And I would always ask them, well, who has been there for you? And they would name off people so many times that came out of the woodwork. It may not have even been somebody that they knew at the time that their loved one was alive. They may not have ever even known their loved one. But because of intertwining of circumstances, 
those people showed a level of loyalty and possibly loyalty throughout the rest of life that they had not anticipated. And so today, as we look at first, well, 2 Samuel 15, 13 through 23, let's see where David found loyalty that he was not anticipating. Starting with verse 13, a messenger soon arrived in Jerusalem to tell David, all Israel has joined Absalom in the conspiracy against you. And we've read that two or three times. And again, it wasn't truly all Israel, but it was a majority enough that it caused David to catastrophize in his mind that everyone had turned against him and he needed to get out of town. And in his mind, as we see from his verbiage, he thought that if he left town, then not only might he save himself and those closest to him, but he might save the city of Jerusalem from utter disaster from war. So then next, then we must flee at once or it will be too late. David urged his men, hurry, if we get out of the city before Absalom arrives, both we and the city of Jerusalem will be spared from disaster. We are with you, his advisors replied. Do what you think is best. Verse 16, so the king and all his household set out at once. He left no one behind except 10 of his concubines to look after the palace. That is going to be a huge part of the narrative moving forward. It's who he left behind and how they play into the continuing narrative. And why do you leave behind 10 women to look after the palace? (laughs) Like, I've just got so many different questions that I will not have answered this side of heaven. And 10 who were your lesser wives. So they definitely felt like they were lesser if they were left behind to deal with Absalom and his upcoming reign of terror. I'll get off of that for today. It will come up again, I promise, in a reality TV kind of nasty fashion. So verse 17, the king and all his people set out on foot, pausing at the last house to let all the king's men move past to lead the way. There were 600 men from Gath. Where? From Gath who had come with David, along with the king's bodyguard. Let's stop for just a moment. That little giant that David fought against, you know, the little one that we just talked about and the fact that he was insurmountable and yet... David looked at him in comparison to the Lord of Heaven's armies and was willing to face off with him. And so in 1 Samuel 17, he's described as a champion out of the camp of the Philistines, told how huge he was. And you do know that he has a big G on his, not actually, but figuratively, he has a big G on his chest 
because he is playing for the team of Gath. He is a Philistine, a champion from Gath. We find that out in 1 Samuel. And the, the group, the Philistines, who used to be David's enemy, are now the ones who are showing extreme loyalty. Check it out. Then the king turned and said to Idiot, a leader of the men from Gath, why are you coming with us? Go on back to King Absalom, for you are a guest in Israel, a foreigner in exile. You arrived only recently, and should I force you today to wander with us? I don't even know where we will go. Go on back and take your kinsmen with you. And may the Lord show you his unfailing love and faithfulness. But Idiot said to the king, I vow by the Lord and by your own life that I will go wherever my Lord, the king, goes, no matter what happens, whether it means life or death. David replied, all right, come with us. So Idiot and all his men and their families went along. Everyone cried loudly as the king and his followers passed by. They crossed the Kidron Valley and then went out toward the wilderness. When I was reading that story earlier this week, I wasn't as focused on the Gath part. That just really hit me hard as I was reading it again today. But it's the whole idea that you have 600 men from the Philistine territory who have come to Jerusalem and have have pledged allegiance to King David. And here you have all of the Israelites who had applauded him at some point and had lived through the golden era of Israel with David as the king. And now Absalom has managed to tap into their traitorous hearts and get them on his side. And a troop of men from Gath, of the same line of Goliath, are the ones who pledge loyalty to David, and not only pledge it, but perform it. I'm going back to verse 21. It reminds me, it reminds me of the vow that Ruth the Moabite made to her mother-in-law when her mother-in-law wanted to leave and told Ruth to go back to her people. And here we've got Ruth was a Moabite. She was in the same vein of somebody from Gath, where they were outside of God's people. And Ruth pledged her loyalty to Naomi. Not only pledging it to Naomi, but pledging it to Naomi's God. And if you don't remember, I'm just reminding you, Ruth is in the lineage of David. And I just, I'm just overwhelmed at this very moment at the comparison between the scripture text that 
Idia says, I vow by the Lord and by your own life that I will go wherever my Lord, the king, goes. No matter what happens, whether it means life or death. And so you're going to hear me typing because I have to look up what Ruth said to Naomi because it's absolutely too important not to. I just, you can tell when I am caught so off guard by something that God shows me in scripture. Now, usually it's not in the middle of a podcast, but well, this time it definitely is. So let's compare the text of Ruth 1, 16, with what Idia, the leader of the people from Gath, is pledging. So here's Ruth's pledge. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Verse 17, wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And then in comparison, we have Idia saying, I vow by the Lord and by your own life that I will go wherever my Lord the King goes, no matter what happens, whether it means life or death. Oh, wow. I mean, I know it's happened many times in the history of the world where someone who was not a God follower has pledged loyalty to someone who is because of what they've seen in him or her. But looking at this today, I just, I'm absolutely overwhelmed that the same pledge, so close, so close, that Ruth made to Naomi is the pledge that Idia made on behalf of the 600 men from Gath. And I'm typing because I am putting that extra scripture in our resources in the show notes. Wow. One of the things that I I believe we learn about God, the more we walk with him, is how he meets our needs in unexpected ways. A lot of times when we think of needs, we're thinking about physical needs, where someone doesn't have food. I was at a ladies' conference the last couple of days, and there was this amazing story. They had it up on the big screen in a video form of this couple and how they did not have food to feed their children. 
and how the husband pressed on to do what he felt like God was calling him to do, trusting that God was going to provide. And God provided in some miraculous, absolutely miraculous way. A lot of times we think of provision in the physical sense, and that is definitely true. But sometimes the provision is in the emotional sense where God puts someone alongside you to walk with you through a challenging season. It may be that you have had a diagnosis of cancer and a sweet nurse in the oncology office is one that has shown loyalty to you and has been such a compassionate presence for you when others either weren't able to be or chose not to be. You may be somebody at work that you would have never dreamed would have been someone to have your back. And yet, they have. I want you to think about that. When have you experienced loyalty from someone you didn't expect? And as you ponder just this story from David as he's leaving Jerusalem with his head down and thinking about the pledge that Idier made on behalf of his men, this Moabite, not Moabite, I'm back to Ruth, this Leader from Gath, the place, the land of Goliath, is pledging his allegiance to David when Absalom showed no loyalty, Ahithophel showed no loyalty, and the majority of the people showed no loyalty. And how much that pledge looks like the pledge that David's great-grandmother, I believe it is, Ruth, made to Naomi. Naomi didn't want Ruth to go along. She wanted her to go back to her people. And Ruth made that pledge that she would not only go, but she would follow Naomi's God. And at that point, Naomi wasn't following her God very well. But Ruth still made that pledge. And that pledge ended up leading to David's birth eventually. And now these men of Gath, God has brought them to Jerusalem at this crucial time to swear allegiance to David when the people who he would have anticipated would have had his back have stabbed his back. And I want you to think not only of when you've experienced that kind of loyalty from somebody you didn't anticipate, but is there someone around you who is really struggling and needs someone to have their back? It may be somebody that's in the crosshairs that nobody seems to be standing beside them. I may have mentioned a few weeks ago, I'm not sure, that 
someone I used to work with, it, well, they're in a heap of trouble. And they're not in a place at the moment that I think I could physically get to them to support them. They're in that much trouble. <coughs> Excuse me, but I have prayed for them and I'm going to continue to pray for them because they are in a place where I cannot help but believe they feel as though they've ruined their life and they have made decisions that are at that level, but they need somebody to be loyal to them despite their decisions. That doesn't mean that I'm going to make stupid decisions and provide resources to them when that would not be healthy, but it does mean that I can support this person with loyalty in praying for her. Do you have someone in your inner or outer circle that you feel God is laying on your heart to come alongside, maybe not physically come alongside, but at least come alongside in prayer and pray diligently for them. There was another person that God just brought to mind that uh, is not well liked where I'm from. (laughs) It's an understatement. They made horrific choices and I've really doubt they have anyone being loyal to them. Those are two people that God has laid on my heart. Who has he laid on yours? And might you need to reach out to anybody who has been loyal to you in a time where you desperately needed it. Maybe you need to say thank you. Or at the least, thank the Lord for their loyalty during that season of time. So thank you so much for tuning in. We'll just continue this journey through the life of David. David will continue out of Jerusalem and probably, I'm not absolutely sure, but there's still quite a few scriptures in this in this section. We may still we may have more than one lesson still left in 2 Samuel 15. Who knows? But you've got information down in the show notes, including the two verses from Ruth. You've got information on how you can get to the hidden episodes, those first 50 episodes that are hard to find online. Got information about our Twitter. I just updated the Twitter header on that page as well as on my Facebook page. That was long overdue. They still it still needs work, but it, it's better. It's better. And if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're like, what in the world is this lady talking about? You can either email me at encouraging others and loving Jesus at gmail.com. Or you can go to the link below that says, I want to begin a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
reach out to someone and find out how to experience the relationship that will matter through all of eternity. So again, it's free to listen to this podcast and it's also free to share. Who do you know that might need to hear this message today? Take a moment and just share it. Share it on your social. Share it in a direct message. Just say, hey, I'm praying for you. Maybe maybe you might want to share it with the person who was loyal when you weren't expecting it. And say, I thank you so much for your loyalty to me. And I just wanted to share this with you. I appreciate it. I promise. And just remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. <music>